Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senator of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride. Wherever you listen, your car, your house, maybe just in headphones while at the gym, it doesn't matter. I thank you for joining me. And as a, as always, Let's Ride is a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which is a part of SB Nation. And it's a quick reminder that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We update that site multiple times a day. And with all the latest breaking news, you're going to want to make sure you're glued in. All those diehard fans like all of my ride-or-die crew are, you don't want to miss anything. On top of that, wherever you get your podcasts, all you have to do is search either Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, and that's at any platform. So that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora. There's others I don't even know exist. Search those two terms. You'll find us. Do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing on this Behind the Steel Curtain podcast network of morning noon and evening shows i i think the the content has been absolutely outstanding so make sure you check out all of our new shows whether it's we run the north which is on sundays along with bad language with brian anthony davis a show that i really like uh that i'm listening to a lot of don't miss an episode um well i listen to a lot of them but i would say is probably the here we go Steelers show and that show runs friday at noon it's brian anthony davis kevin smith those that listen to my Let's Ride podcast know that Kevin Smith was my first Monday morning conversation, and he's a football mind. He's a football coach. He played in college. Great stuff. Great insight. Make sure you check out that show. You won't regret it. So I got to be honest here. I had a plan in place, had a topic, kind of had everything laid out. It was all about the Steelers' approach to the draft, and I had even told Brian Anthony Davis. I said, you know what? I want to make sure that nothing happens in terms of news. So I might be changing this. This topic might get bumped to Wednesday. It's fine. And lo and behold, I was right. No, unfortunately, there's been no news of a strong safety being signed. No Tyron Matthew, no Terrell Edmonds even. The Steelers still were on the search for that. But what's going on down in Florida is that the annual owners meetings are about to take place. And there were about five beat reporters who were there uh, everything from Teresa Varley of Steelers.com, Mark Caballi of The Athletic, Brooke Pryor of ESPN, Dale Lolly of DK Pittsburgh Sports, Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. All of them are down there. Now, they, they spoke to Kevin Colbert via phone. Kevin Colbert is on the recruiting trail. He's getting ready to go to North Carolina to see Sam Howe this week. We'll be talking about that, I'm sure. Uh, but Mike Tomlin was there. Now, Mike Tomlin, I said this before the Combine, you know, Before the Combine is when almost every single NFL general manager and head coach speak to the local media or media in general, anyone that wants to ask questions, Mike Tomlin is one of the few, I think maybe one of two, head coaches who does not speak at the Combine. I'm not sure how he got that deal, what he had to do, what he had to sign, but he is one of those that does not speak at the Combine prior to. From when the moment the season is over and he has his post- season press conference recap you don't hear from Mike Tomlin until this meeting the owners meetings in Florida and so it's really the first opportunity that fans have gotten to hear from coach Tomlin but also from Kevin Colbert so what I wanted to do today was to kind of 
go over what's been happening, what's been said. Uh, Kevin Colbert's comments were eh, kind of iffy at, at points, we'll put it that way. But Mike Tomlin was very, very open, very, very honest, as he usually is in regards to everything Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I do want to, before I get started and dive headfirst into these talking points, in the second half of this show, I'm really excited. Matty Peverell, the host of the Steelers Touchdown Under, which is a podcast on the Behind the Steel Curtain Network, he's going to be joining me for a Monday morning conversation. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about hearing how someone that grew up in Australia became a a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we're going to talk about one of our favorite shows. I know that Maddie loves the show, so do I, is the show Yellowstone, and we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned to the second half of the show. All right, let's talk about Kevin Colbert first, because Kevin Colbert spoke to the media prior to Tomlin. Again, it was over the phone, not in person, but still, one of the first questions that Kevin Colbert was asked was about Stefan Tuitt. Stefan Tuitt, like, what's the deal with Stefan Tuitt? Is he coming back? Is he not? The fan base, everyone wants something definitive. Unfortunately, that's not what they were able to give. Uh, Colbert said that Tua remains on the roster and that they would love to have him back. But he did also add that he considers Chris Wormley a starter due to his experience, especially in Pittsburgh. I don't know if I'm feeling warm and fuzzy about Chris Wormley being a starter, but he was, and that's not a lie. But the fact of the matter is fans want that definitive answer, and they're just not providing it. Now, you talk about the roster in and of itself after the first wave of free agency preparing for the NFL draft at the end of April. He's he meaning Kevin Colbert was said that he feels like the Steelers have all of the starting positions in place right now, except for strong safety. Now with that being said, I, I want to make a very clear statement. This is something that Kevin Smith brought up on our Slack channel by him making this statement. That's a very definitive statement. When he said that he feels like they have starting positions, they're covered except for strong safety, that means that all of us that thought that wide receiver was still something they had to go out and do, maybe they don't feel that way. Maybe they have some people, whether it's Cody White, I'm not sure. Maybe it's Gunnar O, the new kick return, punt return guy. Maybe it's Anthony Miller. I'm not sure. But they must like something that they have in-house if he didn't list wide receiver as well. But he also did add, and this is Kevin Colbert, that the Steelers are going to challenge everyone who is in a starting position. So even though they might feel like they're fine, at the same time, that's not going to deter them from the draft, which brings up our next comment by Colbert, is that speaking of draft capital, one of the reasons that the Steelers were not even in these conversations, whether it was potentially trading for Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay, trading for Russell Wilson out of Seattle, trading for Deshaun Watson even, who ended up going to Cleveland, it was because they did not want to give up draft capital to add that type of quarterback. So it took them out of the trade market, and that's one of the reasons, according to Colbert, they pursued Mitch Trubisky so aggressively. Now, on top of that, Colbert also talked about that, you know, the first, this is interesting to me. I don't know if it is as much to the other fans out there, but the general manager search. You know, we talked about this on the Steelers preview last week. You can go back and check that out. We said, how important is it? And we all agreed, myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis, it's very important. And Kevin Colbert said that the the organization concluded the first round of interviews with a total of 16 candidates, many of which were on a comprehensive list when they started the process. They will pick back up with the second round of interviews after the draft next month. So if you're someone out there that is thinking, okay, the draft's going to be over, 
the three-day process. They're going to sign their undrafted rookie free agents, and then Colbert's going to say, all right, everyone, thank you very much. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I love the Steelers. I want to stay on in an advisory role. Peace out. That's not going to happen. It looks like it's going to be a process. They're going to go through a whole other round of interviews. It's going to be interesting. It's going to take time. Other than that, because we've heard from Kevin Colbert so far this offseason, there really wasn't a whole lot of breaking news from his time with the media. Again, he spoke, as he always does, before the Combine. And so, again, we also heard from Colbert prior to the Combine when he met with media. So we've heard a lot of Kevin Colbert. But let's get to Mike Tomlin, because this is the guy no one's heard from. This is the guy that everyone's kind of like, okay, we have a lot of really good questions. I thought that Mike Tomlin, when he spoke about Brian Flores, had some very, very interesting things to say. On Friday, I had uh, Michael Beck, Blue Check Beck, as always on Friday, and I'd asked Michael about the dynamic of having Terrell Austin as the defensive coordinator by title and also Brian Flores in-house. What does that mean? What is that dynamic? Well, Michael gave his opinion. Turns out, he was pretty spot on. And Mike Tomlin said, quote, the senior defensive assistant and linebacker coach is his title, talking about Brian Flores. But there's so many ways that he's going to help us and help me. His contributions are going to be significant. That's pretty remarkable, in my opinion. That is significant, both what he said and what the Steelers fan base can expect when they think about the defense which might have a different look to it. You listen to Jeffrey Benedict. You talk. You listen to KT Smith. You hear um, Michael Beck himself on the live mic talk about, well, if Brian Flores likes to do this, these are things that Brian, a Brian Flores defense does. There's a reason why now. They're going to they're gonna give him a large chunk of, you know, really having a say in what's going on. But Mike Tomlin continued with Flores and talking about his relationship. He said, quote, I wanted to stay close to Brian when his legal issues started. I just didn't want him to feel like he was on an island. From a coaching fraternity standpoint, I owed him that. I was in a position to provide that. That's some really good stuff there, in my opinion, from Mike Tomlin about Brian Flores and how he reached out. They were obviously staying in touch, and he did go on to later say that he's super thankful that Brian accepted the job and that He's a part of a, a, an organization in the Pittsburgh Steelers that, with the Rooney family and the Rooney rule, has been trying their best to help minority candidates. So really good stuff there from Coach Tomlin. Now, obviously, Mike Tomlin was also asked about Stefan Tuitt, and, and he said, quote, I'm excited and optimistic, but I don't have any definitive information regarding his participa- participation in 2022 as we sit here. And think about that. Nothing definitive. He's excited and optimistic. I don't know, and this is a question that goes through my mind when I read this when I read this quote. At what point is there going to be something definitive? What's it what's it gonna be? Is it gonna be right into up into training camp? Is this going to be a Vince Williams situation where the Steelers are kind of well, do we have him or not? This could alter the team's plans in the draft. I would feel like the Steelers they owe it to themselves to get some form of answer. And it, Stefan Tuitt's got to know, like, A, are you healthy physically? B, are you healthy mentally? And C, do you even want to play anymore? And if the answer to all three of those are yes, then unless you don't want to be with the Steelers anymore, 
which if that's the case, that's fine. We're going to cut you. We're going to save some cap space. Otherwise, let's go. Let's get something definitive going. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I understand. I'm more than empathetic with Stefan to it, but I feel like the Steelers who let him sit out all of 2021, they deserve an answer here. I think that's I think that's only fair. Just my own opinion. All right, so Mike Tom was asked about Mitch Trubisky, the signing of Mitch Trubisky, and then how they wasted very little time signing him. And he said, quote, we were really interested in Mitch, and he was really interested in us. He's a, He's been a winner. He's got experience and youth. So much of his profile was attractive to us. He'd go on to talk about, just like Kevin Colbert said, how they didn't have to give up draft capital to get him. He was a free agent, and he had that youth, had that experience, and they said, let's get him, and they don't have to give that up. That's huge. He was also asked about Devin Bush. And he said, quote, this is Mike Tomlin. I expect him to get better, just like I expect all of our young players to get better. I'm excited about him getting back out there and having a clean bill of health. That's really, again, a quote where you're looking at this saying, wow, maybe he didn't have a clean bill of health as much as we thought he did last season. And some might say, well, that's no excuse, understandable, but still something to consider He's expecting him to be back. What does that mean for his fifth-year option? Well, time's running out. They have till May to get that done. We'll see. He was also asked about Kendrick Green and whether he would be moved from center to guard. Mike Tomlin's quote was very short and to the point. I'm open to it. Wow. Man, Mike Tomlin not pulling any punches in this interview with media. He said about Miles Jack that what he liked the most was when he talked to him on the phone he could just feel the passion that he has for the game the passion for winning and he said that sealed it for him and so it seems like the two guys Miles Jack spoke about how when he spoke to Tomlin that was what got him going I want to go to Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin talked to Miles Jack and said I want him here pretty cool story now Tomlin also said that he he loves going to pro days. He, he understands that a lot of people will say, well, they're tipping their hand when it comes to being visible at pro days. He said he does not care who people, meaning the fans, other people, they know like who they talk to, who they go out to dinner with. He doesn't care. He said he loves it. And one of the best quotes that he had during this session, this is from Mark Caballi of The Athletic, said, quote, I'd rather be in the bushes than guarding my desk. So he is, according to Colbert and a bunch of other coaches, he is one of the most visible head coaches on the pro day recruiting trail. And there's a reason why. He wants to be out on the front lines. He wants to see what's going on. So the one thing that's interesting here, to kind of wrap this first half up, is that while there wasn't anything definitive with someone like Stefan Tuitt, there was something definitive in regards to why they targeted Mitch Trubisky, why they weren't in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, the expectation for Kendra Green potentially moving positions, uh, Devin Bush and his clean bill of health. There are a lot of nuggets to pull from this, and we will be talking about this a lot, I'm sure, on our podcast network as well as on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. So make sure you check that out. But what I'm excited about here coming up is I'm going to ask Maddie Peverell about some of these topics. We're going to have some fun Monday morning conversation time. We'll be right back after this break.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it's part two. It's Monday. That means it is the Monday morning conversation. We have had a whole slew of different people joining me on this part of the show in the offseason to just talk about being a fan, maybe talking about being a player. Like when I had LeVon Kirkland on today, I am proud to have Maddie Peverell of the Touchdown Under and the War Room on. What's up, Maddie? How are you doing? Good. And so this show is going to go to air on a Monday morning and you're recording live in the future with me on my Monday morning. So how trippy is that? That it, when you, if you actually sit down and think about that, it is very trippy. Like it's kind of mind blowing when you think about it feels like I'm a part of the, what is it? The time continuum or something like that. But still, I thank you for taking time out of your schedule because it's totally different than someone here in the, in North America. <laughs> we'll put it that way. But, uh, I, my first question for you is probably a question that you've had anytime you speak with someone that's a Steeler fan. And that yep. is that you have, you've grown up in Australia. Am I right? Yep. How in the world did you become a Steeler fan? Yes. Yeah, so this is a bit of a crazy one actually. Um, and it starts off with my mom went over to the States in 2006, I think it was or 2005. And then, I played Madden with my mates on, you know, in Madden 2002, Madden 2004. And I think 04 really got me quite interested in it. And then, and my, my mate was a Raiders fan anyway. So she went over in California and was in an airport in LA and got a Darren Sproles Chargers jersey. And so he became like one of my favorite players. And so then I came a little bit more interested. And I remember one of the first few games I can ever recall I watched was a Chargers Steelers game or that one was before the other one I, I don't know like I was like 15 years old back then so but then the Steelers won in 2008 and suddenly this just became like I remember watching Polamalu and it was like nothing else like I just thought he was brilliant and then so for a couple of years there I sort of was w- sort of watching both teams and what have you and then and sort of that sort of continued for a couple of years but I remember watching the Steelers Super Bowl and then 2010 and I was like really rooting for them and so then in a couple of years later, I sort of went, I'm supporting a team because the parent got me a jersey, not because I believe in what the team stands for. And, <laughs> and Mark and I have shared before, you know, that the Steelers are very similar to one of the rugby teams that we support here. Like they won, the, the team here won, you know, their version of the Super Bowl in almost the exact same years, massive in the 70s, won a couple in the 2000s, the years almost co- correlate again, hard-nosed defense, you know, more sort of a blue-collar worker sort of style stuff. And yeah, so the values really align, I guess. And so, yeah, it's an easy sort of transition. So I would say like, I've been a crazy Steel fan now, oh, maybe five or six years. I've been a BTSC part of the community, although I didn't, I wasn't able because of the time zone to listen to a lot of things live. But I did a lot of that um, probably three or four years, at least before the 2017 draft. So, yeah. That's incredible. Now, my next question is, and I've talked with a lot of fans that are in Europe. And they'll yeah. talk about how, oh my gosh, the, the night games are crazy. Like I complain about the night games. Like it's literally nothing compared to what they have to go through staying up till all hours. What is a, give me the time breakdown. And for those that are listening that don't know, if it's a regular one o'clock start for us here on Sunday, when are you watching? And then also what about four o'clock and night games? Yeah, so uh, the one o'clock games, uh, because this happens when we go back to daylight, we switch to daylight saving halfway through that sort of start to the season. Um, But yeah, one o'clock games are usually like a 3 a.m. wake up call. Um, And then you've obviously got the the, the 5 p.m. games. Usually the time zones changed once those early season games go away. Um, So then it switches to being uh, more of a 5 a.m. wake up call. And then you get to the 8 p.m. and you're looking at 11 to 12 p.m. I got to say they're like, 
the the one for me is that if that still is placed on a night football, I'm I've now tried to look to taking the Monday off and going to watch it. <laughs> and the same thing with Thursday night, because it's Friday lunchtime. And, you know, I, I own a job now where I work pretty much from home. When I was in a workplace, often you go have like a, a lunch at a pub or a bar and so you can catch a bit of it. But now, again, it's the same thing is can I, I mean, I can have it on at home anyway, um, but in the background, but it's something that, yeah, now I try and take the day off. And we did that last year. We did that for the Chargers and the Vikings game. My, my fiance and I, we took it off. We went to the pub and had some drinks and I ran to some Steel fans there in my local, which is very sort of quiet bar near me. And when I walked in to have two, there wasn't the, the Chargers game, but the Vikings game there was. Um, oh, and the Browns game too for Ben's last game. So that was cool to watch watch Ben's last game with a couple of Steel fans in Australia on a big screen. It was cool. That's crazy for me. Like waking up. So do you wake up at 3 a.m. to watch the games or do you catch up? Like, do you, I don't know how you watch. I'm sure I'm assuming game pass. Yeah. So our game pass international gets everything. Um, it's not cheap per year, but you get absolutely everything that I hear that you guys get a bit of. And then I think Europe gets a little bit more than what you guys get. And we just get this whole encompassing thing. I mean, we pay like a couple hundred Aussie dollars for that, almost 300 Aussie dollars for that now. Um, but yeah, I usually wait. I usually, what I do is give it a 40 minutes, an hour start if it's 3 a.m. and get up at four. And then that way I just basically skip through a lot of the ads. I skip through half time. Um, if there's like, you know, someone's lying on the field injured or whatever, I can kind of cycle through that. And I'm caught up usually halfway through the fourth quarter. I'm completely caught up. It does mean that if I don't wake up, um, if I do wake up at that 4am part that I don't get to participate, I have to turn all the notifications off. So I miss <laughs> the Slack channel and the Twitter. Sometimes I do though in a big game, I'll get up at 3am and I just cop it. Like, you know, go to bed a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, 5am is actually, it's kind of funny. Like the 4am wake up is actually the best because I finish that and I can get ready and then, and then do my work. Whereas when it's the 5am, it's actually a bit harder because I end up having to get ready. And so I'll have to stop and then get back onto it again. Though you can fast forward through a lot. Yeah. Like, I sat there through a game where like, you know, I was, I woke up really late at like almost six and I can't remember which game it was last season. And I cycled through and, you know, I caught, I caught up because of how slow the fourth quarter was going. So it's, it's crazy when you think like, I, I know there are times where I'll complain, you know, a night game, especially if it's a big game and the Steelers maybe come back and win, or it's a really close or a hard fought game or just a big win in general. And you're wired, you know, you're so yeah. up you're going to work like that. I, <laughs> for me, it's just something to sleep. You're having to go to work and try to focus on work. I'd be sitting there thinking about the thinking about the game and checking Twitter and all this stuff. It's crazy. It's just, it literally is on the other side of the world and it's different. And so I always want to bring that perspective. So thank you for sharing all that. And I do want to talk to you about some of the things with the Steelers that are going on right now. I spoke about this in the first half of the show and that, and Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin both spoke that the owners meetings are going on in Florida as we speak. And, Mike Tomlin had a really interesting comment about someone that you actually predicted the Steelers would draft last year and Kendrick green. Yeah. And he was asked straight up, is he going to be the center next year or potentially move to guard? And he said, in regards to moving him to guard, I'm open to it. Now you're someone that watched him. Yeah. Can he play guard in your opinion in the NFL, or is this guy just going to be deemed the next BJ Finney in an interior offensive line depth piece? Yes, this is the thing. I mean, a lot of the, you know, um, I think guys like Dave Schofield and Rich just talked about it, Shannon's talked about it, and then Michael Beck's talked about it at Nauseam, um, is the short arms that Kendrick Green has. So, you know, and and I've sort of said, and going back to the international part, like 
offensive line is probably the hardest thing to understand or to learn to understand when you don't grow up with the game. That's yeah. like rugby with scrums. Like people don't, if you don't you grow up with it, you don't understand it. And as it's, well, it's a lot harder to understand. And I think with Kendrick Green, like he played a lot of guard, right? You know, a lot of guard because the center that they had, um, Tommy Kramer, I think it is, um, is coming, who's coming out in this draft. Is it Tommy Kramer? I always gonna get this confused. There's another guy actually. Um, Shannon and I got this mixed up when we were off air the other day. But, uh, you know, he, I think he can play guard. I would also say, you know, and I'm gonna make this comparison, you know, everyone's all high on Tyler Linderbaum, right? Out of, and he, if you actually look at it, has, quite short arms compared to a guy like Cam Jurgens in the draft. So I think I'm sort of sitting there and I'm going, it's all right for one person. And I mean, you know, Ty Linderbaum has longer arms than Kendrick Green does, but I think Kendrick Green has a lot of what we call mongrel. You know, there's that nastiness to him. And I think that that can work from a guard. I do though think that he, he's got the body type of a center. And I think that the bigger thing for me is the frustration with, with a little bit of with the fan base um, in terms of not giving him a chance like everyone wrote off Polamalu, everyone wrote off Haywood. I'm not saying that Kendrick Green is, you know, a, a multi-time pro bowler and all pro, but you got to give the guy a chance. Um, and it's a big adjustment. And I don't think people realize just how big the last couple of years have been for guys that are coming out of college in, in COVID environments and disrupted college times. And, you know, they talk about if you make the playoffs and you go through those seasons, you go through the draft process, then you get to the NFL level. Like you're pretty much playing two to two to two and a half years straight. That's a lot of wear and tear on the body. And it's a lot of wear and tear mentally as well. And so I think, you know, you've got to give people a chance to bounce back. I know he's been working with Pouncey in this off season. That excites me. Um, but even still, like if he's someone that's better than Finney and's not a, a starter, but he's someone that's got that versatility in its spot, there's still, that's decent for a third round draft pick. And at the end of the day, you know, a third round draft pick, you want to get something out of. The Steelers lost Pouncey. You know, they couldn't afford in the salary cap situation they were in last year. You know, and if it had been different, they probably would have got one of the top centers. Uh, but when it comes to Kendrick Green, he served the purpose last year at the end of the day and the Steelers made the playoffs. So I think, you know, we've got to look a little bit more macro than that. And let's just see what he can do over the course of his rookie contract. Well, what, what do you, how do you think it, shakes out when you consider the players that they've added you know you have mason cole who by all things considered can play all three interior positions but said that he would rather be a center james daniels who can play center but i think he'd rather be a guard i mean where does kendrick green fit into this we know it's going to be a competition but is he have an uphill battle in your opinion i think i think it's his spot to lose at center with mason cole to be honest i think that i think mason cole's the hedge bet um, you know, I think <laughs> it's not just because he said black and yellow <laughs> instead of black and gold. <laughs> I, I think it's gonna be a real battle. Like, I mean, you know, the, the Steelers do this. Look at Dotson last year, right? And, and Dotson came into camp and everyone was questioning what he was gonna do coming into camp, and you know, he had the fire up from Mike Tomlin and all the rest of it. So, you know, but if if look, we're not on the inside. If it isn't green, I'm glad they've gone and got cold. James Daniels to me is a guy. I think we need to start saying, I think for the benefit of Chooks and, and Dan Moore, and obviously in Dan Moore's situation, Dotson, um, you know, has got to stay healthy. And, you know, those guys are reposable. But I think for the sake of Okorafor living up to his contract and Moore being able to develop, we need some stability and some consistency. And I think having James Daniels to the right of you or the left of you is going to be better for Kendrick Green than having Trey Turner. So that's the positive. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, we could talk about the offensive line to a blue in the <laughs> face, but let's go to the defensive line. Yeah. Now, both Kevin Colbert and Mike Tom were asked about Stefan Tuitt, and they said, you know, 
Is he coming back? That was the blatant question. And neither of them were able to give any type of definitive answer. Mike Tomlin went as far as to say, I have nothing definitive. He's excited, optimistic. Those are all well and good, but those are also just words. There's nothing the, yeah, I spoke to Stefan, he's back. Um, what are your thoughts on the two situation in terms of how it could impact the rest of the off season? I mean, we know how important he is to the defense, but in terms of how they don't know, and for some reason they, they, they can't find out, I guess, how do you think that impacts their approach to the draft and the rest of free agency? If he decides to all of a sudden say, yeah, I'm not coming back. I mean, this is a big deal in my opinion. Do you agree? hundred percent. I mean, like take example, if you're sitting there at 20 on the board where they are right now and Devonte Wyatt's there, right. You know, if you know, if you know, you're not getting to it back, he's the guy, he's one of the guys you've got to pick. Right. Um, you know, the same thing is if you choose to go elsewhere and you're sitting there in round two and Travis Jones is still on the board out of UConn, you probably got to pick him. Um, and so it has a massive difference. If they don't know where to, it's going into the draft for me. Uh, I mean, all right, you, in my mind, you cut him, to be honest. I know that sounds dramatic, but we've gone on with this for almost a year. We suffered with that cap situation last year and the Steelers did the right thing by sticking by him after the personal tragedy that he had. And they, the same thing when every, all, all the awful things happened to Shazier. And, you know, that, that's really important to me. It's one of the things that really I love about the, the franchise. But, you know, the Steelers, that's a really important position for the Steelers. And they filled the middle linebacker spot to a degree with, with Miles Jack. They've got to do something to stop the run. And, and they would like having to, to it there. Um, you know, he's hogging a lot of cap. He's hogging an important spot um, to use that sort of phrase. And also Alawalu is getting older. We don't know how he's going to bounce back. They need, you know, top class on this defensive line. And so, yeah, it's actually massive for me. And apart from getting a really good corner in this draft in the first couple of rounds and a wide receiver, that's a, that's a top three position for me. I agree. And stopping the run is paramount. Miles Jack was brought in to help with that. I want to talk to you about the guy that's next to him, Devin Bush. We've all heard about Devin Bush, written about Devin Bush, read about Devin Bush, wondering how much is the knee, how much is his brain and his overall confidence in the surgically repaired knee. Uh, Mike Tomlin said he's hoping to have him back. He said he's excited for him to have a clean bill of health. Makes you think that maybe last year he wasn't as healthy as he could have been at the beginning of the season and kind of improved as the year went on. Anyone, like I know myself, you're someone that's been through rehab yourself as well. It takes typically a full calendar year before you start to kind of trust yeah. the body part, whatever's been surgically repaired. But if you're Kevin Colbert, you're Mike Tom, and you're sitting in an office together, do you pick up that fifth-year option with Devin Bush, or do you say no? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. Um, obviously, why I've asked it. <laughs> well, this is sort of goes back to it, right? When we're talking about two is can you afford that cap hit? And can you afford, I think you've got to look at the market base as well. If he has a good year, what's he going to be worth? And, you know, there are a lot of inside linebackers in this free agency that signed some decent deals. Um, but then again, it, it depends whether they there's someone they like. You know, there's a decent there's decent depth at you know middle linebacker, inside linebacker, and there's depth going through the fourth and fifth round. And you know, with that, you can let them sit for a year and develop. You've also got a guy like Buddy Johnson, um, who based on his Instagram is having a very fun off season. Um, but I think there was oh, my gut right now. Wait, what's he like, doing? Even on though Instagram? the cap's going up, I don't what's, pick it up. What, what's Buddy Johnson up. doing on Instagram? 
he's having he's partying is <laughs> he he's partying yeah. i deleted my instagram app so i i don't know what's going on that's so he's yeah. out there having a good time all right good for he's him he's having a good time but he's treating his mates i think he brought his mate a very big club night the other night that's what ah. it looked like from his instagram stories but yeah i think i don't pick it up my gut feel right now is i don't pick it up because you know it's like Terrell Edmonds. Everyone's like, oh, if we don't sign him, you know, is his market six to eight million? Well, we're a couple of weeks, we're now a week through free agency or more, and he's not signed, and he's probably now only worth three or four million. So, yeah, I, I don't pick it up at this point when you got Miles Jack on a two year deal. Okay. It's interesting. It's going to be a tough decision for them. Now, you brought up strong safety. I'm not, I might ask you about that in a little bit, but I want to bring up something Kevin Smith said in our Slack channel. I'm not sure if you saw it. And it was basically, that when Kevin Colbert came out and said that they feel they have starters at every position except for safety, he then read that and said he didn't say slot receiver. So they must like someone on the team enough. You know that Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool will be back, but they like someone else, whether it's Anthony Miller, whether it's a Cody White, whether it's a Rico Bussey is another one, or maybe yep. it's maybe it's Gunner O, the new kick return, punt return, I don't know. You agree with that sentiment if that's what he meant by leaving the wide receiver position off of that comment and only focusing on strong safety as a position that still needs to be filled. Do you like the receiving core where it is right now? I, I think we both agree they're going to address it in the draft, but were you hoping they added a veteran at the position as well? Yeah, I did, but I also think the Steelers, I think no matter what they do in the draft, I think you find that they go and grab another person in that second wave of free agency after the draft. You also don't know who's, and this goes back to what you were talking about there with Tuit. Apart from me is like, if there's a guy that's like on someone's draft board and they don't expect him to fall and they go get him in a position, there might be a veteran in that spot. Um, you know, there might be someone that's hogging a lot of cap and then a team might go, well, hey, we're probably going to cut you. Or we're going to try and trade you. So I think you got to always be really open. And this goes into that. This is why I enjoy, you know, shows like the, that I do like War Room so much because there's just so many possibilities in how you build a franchise. And so when you look at wide receiver, I mean, the thing about Anthony Miller, people got to remember, he was in Chicago, right? And yep. he, I think he did play a lot of slot in Chicago, if my memory serves me correctly, when I looked up some stuff when he came over to the Steelers. So I'm excited by that. I think he was a second-round pick, too. So he's got at least a bit of pedigree there. I think you can do a bit more with Freemuth as well, um, you know, and, and in the wide receiving core and perhaps jump into the slot a little bit. Um, if Chase Claypool isn't going to go and high point the ball and he's not going to run proper pace and he's not going to get his release perfected well he better learn how to be a big man in the slot because quite frankly like he otherwise he's not going to do anything else so maybe maybe that's where they're leaning i wouldn't say i'm fully confident in it but i'm confident in that the Steelers can address it i also think we watch these words very carefully i think just because they picked one or two positions in one press conference in a response to one question doesn't necessarily define you know exactly everywhere where they're yeah. going um, and you don't know who they're talking to right now that hasn't signed something, for example, that they're like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be our slot receiver. They could be talking to someone right now. Like Tyron Matthew could have verbally said yes, and, you know, and yeah. he hasn't signed the contract, right? So You're right. You're exactly right. It's a good point. I, I, can't, I can't not ask you some draft questions, and I can't not ask you about the quarterbacks. And you have been a very avid Carson Strong supporter um, out yep. of Nevada for a really long time. Um, even going back to last draft, I remember reading in the Slack channel comments about this guy in this draft. You stand by those. Is there another quarterback that's kind of risen up your draft board at the position? Or uh, what, what are your thoughts overall on the quarterback class in 2022? Yeah, so I've listened to a lot of, lot of um, NFL 
you know, podcast of the week and outside of BTSC on this, actually, some like very like, coach and GM driven stuff. I sort of missed stuff I've been able to listen to weekly. I've gone, I went back and listened to, I got a bit of free time over the weekend to do that. And what I think one of the things that one of, one of the guys said, um, you know, it's the Kentucky coach, um, Rick, his last name starts with the next. He was talking about the ability to win close games, the ability to the fact that you don't have a coach in your ear in college and you do have that in the NFL and you do get a lot of things set for you. And the thing that I, I worry about with like a Malik Willis as well is what, how is he going to go when the first read is taken away? He's going to start scrambling. And when he starts scrambling, a lot of teams are going to either learn how to read that like the Steelers do with Lamar or he's going to get hit. And so for me, like I think there's been a lot of hype like any other draft class. The hype train's been very rapid in my mind and it skyrocketed over the last few weeks. I don't think this is you know that great a draft class. That being said, I think there's still probably you know those top six in how Riddar, Strong, Willis... Um, pick it. There's guys that can definitely start in the NFL, but it also comes down to like where you're drafted, right? Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech, you know, where Josh Allen came from as well, having mental blank there, but they got drafted to good teams, right? You, if, you, if Malik Willis gets drafted to the Detroit Lions, I mean, I think they're a little bit different in that they've got great, co- they've got a great coach, and I think their franchise actually wants to do well. But look at Trevor Lawrence last year in Jacksonville. It didn't matter how good he was at Clemson. He was in an awful, you know, in an awful team with an awful coach and a poorly run franchise, in my opinion. So I think when it comes to this quarterback class, it's like how are they going to slot in and make a difference? And I think for me, you know, Ritter has definitely gone up my board big time. I don't think it's enough that he's a first round draft pick, but if you trade back in the first and all the other quarter, most of the other quarterbacks were taken except for Howell, then yeah, pull the trigger on it. I'm not a fan of Corral. I think he's too scheme dependent. And yes, there might be scheme fit with the Steelers, but you know, I keep hearing all this Matt Canada, Matt Canada. If it doesn't work over two years with Matt Canada, then we're, then we're going to invest it, have invested a lot in Matt Canada's system across the board. And you've got it. You've got to be all in. Um, but we don't have to hamstring ourselves with, you know, a five-year deal and a rookie a rookie quarterback there. So I do really still like Strong. I think the knee stuff, I would have thought if he was... It's the only question for me with the knee stuff is that, I, you know, you don't know... No, nothing tangible came out of the combine to think, He's changed people's perceptions of that, but then teams could be staying quiet. I also think about Mac Jones and I think, well, hey, Carson Strong, he just did it in a different division. You know, there's a lot of similarities there. I think he's got an NFL-ready arm. You know, if Trubisky went down in like week six, let's say, I'd be comfortable giving him the ball. I think he can process the reads well. He's also like six foot three, six foot four, almost 220 pounds. He could put on a little bit of size too in the legs, which he's not been able to do with the knees. Um, over the last year and so for me I'm like well you end up with someone that starts to get a bit big Ben size and I'm not saying he needs to be the second coming of big Ben but if he can stand in the pocket and he can take a hit well I really like that and I just think he's got the best combination of the of a good arm but he's got that the touch he's able to really pinpoint those throws so yeah I do stand by it but you know for me hey if he's there in round two that's when you get him use round one to get a you know a proven performer Okay, so I want to run down some of the big names of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class, and I want you to tell me just rapid fire, do you think they're round one players, round two, or then you could just say day three? Yeah. Um, or, well, I guess round two or three, and then if it's after three, you would say day three. Yeah. So let's start with Kenny Pickett. Uh, he's round one. It's All right. Gonna be, he's most ready to start. Malik Willis. Uh, the hype chain's real. I think he's a. I think he's the end of round one, early round two, but he'll go round one and he'll go early. 
So you think that he is, he's being the hype train is getting him drafted well before he should be. hundred percent. I think he's the, he's the Trey Lance of 2022, except the fact that like, I would say even maybe Trey Lance is a little bit more proven, but there's, there's no, there's no Trevor Lawrence in this cross. So that's the difference. Right. Okay. No, no, no. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Desmond Ritter. Uh, he's another guy like end of, uh, end of round one or the round two, but I think he goes in round two. I think he goes in the first five or six picks in round two. Someone will trade up to get him or, or if they've traded back, they'll grab him. Okay. Now you don't like him, but Corral, we'll go with Corral next. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I could see, I could see Philadelphia drafting him at this point. Actually, that's, that's one of the names that sticks out to me. Uh, in round uh, one. Yeah, I, really. It's hard when you've got the teams with the three picks, you know. I, oh, I know. It depends on the injury as well. No, I'm going to go around. I, I'm, yeah, he's going to go around one, and he's going to go before the end of round one. 100%. Wow. Okay, that's that's fascinating. I was definitely going to go two, but I, okay, round one. Sam Hell. <laughs> round two, hopefully round three, if the NFL's <laughs> got it right. <laughs> Your boy Carson Strong. You said two. Am I right? I think so. I think I, I, I find it hard to think that he's going to slip into round three. I think he's ahead of where guys like Kellen Mond were last year. And, and I, I just think someone, if, if he was going to fall to round three, someone's trading back into round two to grab him. Okay. And then lastly, we'll go with uh, someone that's been talked about a lot in, in the terms of the late round quarterback is, is Bailey Zapp. Uh, end of round three, if he's lucky, probably, probably okay. day three. All right. Very good. Now, before we get into the fun stuff, I want to ask you, what are the odds that a Kenny Pickett or a Malik Willis even get to pick 20, assuming the Steelers don't move? I don't, I don't think the odds are that great, in my opinion. When you look at now the, the Detroit Lions, which everyone was kind of thinking, you look at all the mocks, whether it's the ESPN guys with McShay and Kuyper or CBS Sports. I mean, heck, Dave Schofield does a mock draft Monday every Monday. Everyone has the Detroit lions with the second overall pick not going quarterback, but now all of a sudden they're talking about them potentially taking Malik Willis second overall. I find that to be a little much, but do you think either of those guys pick or Willis will be there at 20? I could see Pickett potentially falling. Um, if the Steelers want Malik Willis, they're going to have to trade into the top. Is it, is it Seattle pick at nine? You have to trade into the top yeah. 10, right? And I, I said this on Warren this week, just that, what we're giving up at this point in time with where the franchise is at with someone that's, you know, actually still got some potential in Trubisky, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, like, I think the, the, the Detroit part makes more, like, actually makes sense with Willis in the fact that they had him all of the senior bowl. Um, I wouldn't worry about a lot of people, like, they've backed off during the pro day and all the rest of it. I wouldn't worry about that. They got a week with him. Um, they got more than enough time with him and more than anyone else. Uh, I think the other thing is that they've got golf, so they can actually let him sit. They're one of the franchises that can actually let him sit and grow um, and build around him. And so, and look again, I look at San Francisco and Trey Lance, and they were someone that was in it, you know, to try and go after a Super Bowl, and they used their what was it third round pick on Trey Lance. So I think the second, you know, picking him at two doesn't make um, it's not as crazy as it probably was when you think about it, you know, maybe eight or nine weeks ago that it is now. Uh, but, you know, there are too many teams that are sitting there ahead of the Steelers. The other one I've heard is that the Falcons might look to trade up a couple of spots to be able to grab him, you know, even though they've got Mariota, right? And imagine that you've got a tandem there of Mariota and Willis um, moving forward. I just can't see it um, unless the Steelers trade up. But even then, like, you're going to have teams that are fighting to trade up, you know, into the 
you know, 12, 13, 14. Um, I would have said the Browns were in it for a quarterback before the thing, before everything happened with Watson. But even if, you know, if they do end up moving Baker Mayfield before then, perhaps they go after someone and get a backup. So there are a lot of different possibilities. But to, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think they can get Molly Goulis without trading into the top 10. And I think that's a that's not a smart move in this draft. Um, do it next year when you've got more proven performers. And, you know, Pickett may, Pickett, Pickett may fall. Um, but again, you know, are we going to be able to put enough around him if a guy like Tuitt's not coming back? Do we have a cornerback? Do we have wide receiver? The position for me that, that's really popping up, I would add, is wide receiver. I yeah. really like the idea of a decent wide receiver on a five-year deal and just, you know, tick that box. Um, but yeah. It'll be, I don't, I don't think it happens either. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want the Steelers to go out and, and make a knee-jerk reaction of just because a quarterback's available. I don't want to hear fans talk about Kenny Pickett being passed up in the next Dan Marino. Like, I just don't want to hear that. So I'm hoping they're all gone. I hope that whether it's the saints, the Seahawks, the Panthers, the Falcons, like you said, the lions, my good. I think there's like six teams that could potentially be quarterback needy teams. Hopefully someone takes those two off the board. So the Steelers are kind of off the hook. All right, let's have some fun here. You and I are both Yellowstone fans. You actually had watched the first few seasons well before I did. I kind of caught it after and got caught up. And, uh, you know, the season four ended in the last winter. And now I said, I'm, I told you, I never tell my the people that are going to be on the Sunday or Monday morning conversation. I never tell them what I'm going to talk to them about. But I did give you this tip. I said, I want you to tell me, out of the BTSC podcasting staff, what characters would they be on Yellowstone? Now, if you're listening to this and you've never watched Yellowstone, you need to watch Yellowstone. I don't care if you don't like country music. Doesn't matter. You'll love it. I don't care if you don't think that Westerns are great. Doesn't matter. You'll love it. So, Maddie, uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want me to say the character's name and you tell me who you think the person is on BTSC? Or do you want to go the other way where you say the name and you tell me who the uh, character is in your opinion? Oh, we can do it either way. I did have to, though, with the number of people that we have on the podcast <laughs> side of things, I had to pick a couple of guys out of 1883. Okay. I also stuck by, and I, uh, every person, because we, um, you know, just because we do only have males, I only gave people, everyone per one person is a male <laughs> character. Um, and maybe that's my reflections. And I think so Monica's you're not calling Brian now, Anthony but... Davis. So Brian Anthony Davis is Beth Dutton. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, that's 100% it. You got it. <laughs> Boom, there you go. <laughs> Straight up. That's it. You got it. Okay. All right. So let's go. Let's start with the uh, the characters. We'll go through Yellowstone. And then if you have to go to 1883, we'll get to this. So okay. let's start with, uh, let's start at the top. Kevin Costner's character, John Dutton. He's the main man in Yellowstone. Who do you have as the BTSE equivalent? Well, I have you, actually. Because, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you keep us all on a steady keel. Um, you know, you... I would say rule with an iron fist, but when something needs to be sorted out, you're direct and you get it done. So yeah, you are, you got the head honcho of the family. Yes. I love Kevin Costner and I love that character, but the best character, the character that people like the most, in my opinion, is Rip Wheeler. Uh, who is BTSC's Rip is what I want to know. Ah, BTSC's Rip Wheeler. Uh, this might, I don't know if it's going to surprise you or not. I actually had Dave Schofield there because really? when I think of the, the bunkhouse and I think of, you know, keeping everyone online and managing across, you know, the podcast and the articles and you know, everything that's sort of happening and, and you know, being that that go-to there, I, uh, yeah, I, I put uh, Dave in there as Rip. Yeah. All right. All right. I can, now that you mention it that way, I can get behind it. What about Casey? That's uh, John Dutton's son, Casey. Uh, who do you who do you have in that role? 
<laughs> you're gonna say that. you're gonna say this is self-serving but i actually had myself in that role because like casey goes off and does what he wants and he doesn't it, like it just it is what it is and that's kind of me but at the same time when things need to be you know fall into line or you know needs to do things to support everyone else that's yeah I, I, so that's the way i, I kind of did it i could see yeah. it i could see it i could see it now what about jamie now he's the other son not really i don't want to spoil anything if you've never seen the show but is there a Jamie character on the BTSC staff? I didn't actually pick a Jamie character okay. on the BTSC right. staff, but a former, like... a former BTSC person came to mind, but I won't go there. <laughs> I want to know. You can tell me off the air. That's fine. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, about, uh, what about Lloyd? Older guy. He's an old cowboy. What about Lloyd? Oh, come on. This is a, this is a gimme. This is Shannon White to a T, right? There you go. There you go. I like it. Yeah, I could definitely see Shannon. He's a West Virginia guy like myself. So, yeah, it's a good – that's it. I don't know if he'll like it, but he might want to be real. No, but I'll, well, I'll give him the added part that, like, you know, it's, you know, so again, someone that's, like, real experienced, knows that yeah. old legacy sort of stuff, but brings it into the new and, and is always there to help someone out. So that's the way I see it. Now, this was the one that I, you know, I, I talked to my wife about this stuff, and I told her I was going to be asking you questions about that. And I, she goes, who's going to be Jimmy? And I said, I don't know. So I'm really curious. Who is your Jimmy? Oh, this is a gimme straight up. Mark, easy. <laughs> I don't know if Mark watches Yellowstone, but that, I don't think that's a compliment to be Jimmy. But why did you pick Mark as Jimmy? No, I did because Mark's like someone, and I think he's got things in common with Jimmy. He's someone that's sort of, it's a bit happy-go-lucky, you know, he's willing to put in the work. Um, he, he is who he is and he's unapologetic for it and, and you got to love what they bring to the table. So, yeah. Okay. You do a great job making this sound a lot better than when I think about the characters themselves. What about Walker? Ryan Bingham, who is a great country artist if you listen to that kind of music, but what about Walker? I had Michael Beck. Oh, I guess I could definitely. That's a great one. That is really, really good. Really, really good. Cool. Um, is there anyone else from the Yellowstone cast that you have, or do you want to go to 1883? Yeah, no, I've got a few more from the okay, Yellowstone go cast. For it. All right. So I had, um, <laughs> I have to get your comment on it. I, uh, I had Tony Duffy over as Jake. You know, Jake's like the very quietly spoken in the show, but, you know, is that expert horseman. Um, so a lot of people, oh, if I said okay. Jake, yeah, they wouldn't the recognize who I'm yeah. talking about. But, yeah. <laughs> I could see. Okay, okay, okay go ahead. Uh, I had Big Bro Sco as Lee Dutton because I think, you know, when I think about it like that, you know, someone that, again, willing to just do anything uh, for the BTSC crew, knows yep. his stuff, you know, jumps in wherever needed. And That's so good. even though Lee Dutton had a short life in Yellowstone, I still think there's some correlation. Yeah. Um, I had Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar as Ryan and Colby. <laughs> that fits. It fits. It really does. They're younger guys. They're definitely just kind of like the noobs on the scene. Okay, I like that. What else you got? I have KT Smith as Taylor Sheridan's character, Travis, who just comes yes. in with like that expert knowledge and just like that coolness. <laughs> and then everyone else is just like, man, this guy is the dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good one that you bring that up. Having KT as Travis is great. Spot on. All right, keep going. Jeffrey Benedict, I have as Mo. Because again, someone that's just like out there, like expert, you know, again, there's, there's a bit of mystique, but you know, whatever they're going to bring you is like total quality. So yeah, I had Jeffrey Benedict out there as Mo. Good call with Mo. I would not have even thought to have a person be Mo, but that's a good, good one. That's a really good one. Go. What else you got? 
Uh, I had Chris Pugh and, and the team there, the Ohioans, there's like Rainwater, Atticus, and just those guys, just because yeah. I needed a group that was like all together that's kind of did their thing. And it's probably the show I, I don't get as much time with as well. Not that I don't like it. I just don't get as much time with it. So For sure. it just feels a bit different, right? So yeah. <laughs> that's how they got labeled there. <laughs> and then right. the the only, the last one I think I've got sitting here is, um, would be the 1883 guys. And that would be Carl Kreiss and um, Greg Benevent. And I had them as Wade and Ennis from 1882. I just have this image of them both like on a horse, just doing their podcast, just like being like funny on a horse. That's, that is really, really good. When you said that, because I'm, th- I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, he's going with the, what Yin's talking about guys. And those two guys, those two Cowboys would definitely be good. That's great. That is great stuff. You were really prepared. Is there anyone that we missed? I don't think so. I don't think we did. No, 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 we didn't. That's fantastic. You did a bang up job. That was awesome. That was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> So uh, to end this, I always give my uh, guests an opportunity to speak to my ride or die crew, to pump up their own product if they want, whatever you want to say, the forgers, go ahead. Yeah, look, I think, you know, the BTSC network as a whole, we've got a lot coming through the end, the end of the draft. Um, it's a really exciting time. I think Mark and I moved to Friday nights um, this week as well. And when we saw a lot of the loyal listeners move over there and hopefully those on the audio side found that change all right. I think we had a really good response across YouTube and, you know, we were there to support Tony and his show as well. So I think that's really exciting. I think, you know, now things are particularly with War Room, I'm going to really, really ramp up. Um, a lot of the profiles and some of the draft players really look at things where sit now that where they sit now free agencies sort of started to bubble away and things have become a lot more um, you know th- there's going to be some stabilization now in what positions and what people want but I, I just think you know I'd also like to pump up like the Steelers to Steeler fans right now because there's a lot of criticism and I think we just need to dial it back a notch and let them do their thing like we are six months away or five and a half months away from the season and I think Steeler fans need to just go be open to the possibilities of, of what's going on so yeah that's great that's great make sure you check out all his shows and all of our shows really because it's all great stuff but Mank, Matt from the future thank you very much for joining me I really appreciate it my pleasure thanks for having me on anytime all right take it easy I want to thank Matty Peverell for joining me and taking the time. I mean, he's in the future when you think about it. I mean, in Australia, he's literally almost a day ahead. It's pretty crazy. But from the future, he joined me. Make sure you check out his War Room podcast that runs at noon. It's part of our noon lineup. Make sure you also check out himself and Mark Davison, Marky D, in the Touchdown Under Crew, which airs every Saturday on our podcast platform. You can also check it out live on YouTube or on Facebook Live. Great guy. Love having him on the team. I appreciate the time. And you know what, folks? On Wednesday, hopefully there's some news to talk about. If not, we're going to be diving headfirst into the NFL draft approach to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you check that out. But, hey, Wednesday also means that's mailbag day. So look out for the tweet on Tuesday where I ask for questions. I will answer every single question that's asked of me. My ride or die crew never lets me down. I don't expect it will happen this week either. In the meantime, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless Have a great day. Have a great start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Go see you.